Welcome to episode 99 of the PharmExec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, senior editor of PharmExec magazine, here along with my co-host, assistant editor Miranda Schmalfus. PharmExec magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, Miranda and I have the pleasure of speaking with Bill Sibold, executive vice president and head of Sanofi Genzyme. Bill talks about his work in specialty care over the past 10 years and what makes it unique. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Bill. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? audience-fed creative, and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truesterumntwk.com. Hello, podcasters. Today, Miranda and I will be interviewing Bill Sibold, Executive Vice President and Head of Sanofi Genzyme. Bill joined the company in 2011, shortly after Sanofi acquired Genzyme, a pioneer in rare disease. Today, he's here to share some of his insights on the current issues in this area. Thanks for joining us today, Bill. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. How has Sanofi Genzyme grown over the years you've been there, and how has the specialty care space changed in that time? Well, I mean, we've grown uh, significantly, as you said. I started 10 years ago, and at the time, we were really a company that was focused on purely rare diseases and really these ultra-orphan diseases. When I came, we added multiple sclerosis, but since then, we've grown into five different therapeutic areas and really established leadership in many. And I just to give you the context of scale, we were about $1.5 billion in sales then, and now we're annualizing at over 13 billion in sales. So pretty prolific growth. And the whole idea along the way has always been to be, how do you become leaders in something? And leaders, we don't say is measured by sales. It's really the way you behave in the market, how you're recognized by the community that you're serving. And if you do that stuff the right way, then the sales will follow. And you know we have gone from ultra rare diseases to now, on our way to being a leader in immunology, or we really believe to become the leader in immunology led by our product, Upixin. What are the greatest challenges in market access today? And what is your company doing to address them? You know, market access has been and will always be a big consideration in this industry. You know, you can have the greatest innovation in the world, but if you can't make it accessible to patients, it is a problem. And I think, first of all, it's become important to earlier and earlier in the development of products to have in mind what is going to be the environment that you're going to be launching into from a market access perspective. Make sure that you're doing the right trials, asking the right questions, generating the right data so that when you get to the end, you have a compelling package to present to any of the reimbursement authorities. The way that you are successful ultimately with market access is innovation. What we've seen not only in the US but around the world is that those products that are truly innovative, there is an opportunity to have those reimbursed and have them widely available for access. If you're dealing in incrementalism 
or non-differentiated products, it becomes harder and harder. So the recommendation is make sure that you think about it early on, make sure that you have the right team to help you with that, and make sure that you engage early with any of the authorities that you're talking to so that there's no surprises at the end of the day when you ultimately have a product that you're looking for reimbursement. How is the industry as a whole doing when it comes to access and health equity? Well, you know, I think the whole issue of disparities had a light shone on them during this pandemic. And I think that it was a good wake-up call for all of us. And, you know, I'll just use an example within the Boston area. We have over a three-mile period a difference in life expectancy of about 30 years, three zero years. When you think that Boston and Cambridge is really the center of innovation in the world from a biotech perspective, how can you have that type of disparity? And things like that, I think, have really kickstarted the industry for one to look at where inequities exist and what we can do about it. And I would have to say for the first time, I've seen some real steps taken. And that's taking place at not only a company level, but also at an industry level with the trade organizations like Pharma and Bio that are starting to think through the whole access to therapies by all communities. And it starts going back all the way to our clinical trials and making sure that we have representation of the population in our clinical trials. It's something which has been a challenge and it's something that is going to take time to fix, but there's great commitment, as I see, by the industry overall to try to do this. The industry is also looking at how do we make these medicines accessible to populations and not only in the U.S., but around the world as well. And I think every journey starts with the first step. I think that the pandemic, because of the disparities that were so obvious in it has really got us all thinking. And I think I've seen some great steps across companies in the industry. I'm very optimistic that uh, we are going to make some great progress in the coming years. How important is it to build relationships and partnerships with stakeholders in specialty care versus other therapeutic areas? Well, you know, I think it's important regardless of the area that you're in. It's interesting. As you have a smaller and smaller population that you're focused on. So I'll start with our experience in these ultra rare diseases. There's just so few people, few patients, few physicians that treat it, few people that understand it, that you can see the importance of stakeholder engagement. It's a family oftentimes who has an unmet need of a child that's sick, that finds the right physician, that finds the right technology or company to in many cases help them create a product that never existed. And then they're working closely with regulators because in ultra rare diseases, there was no simple regulatory path forward in the past and it had to be created. And then the reimbursement structure had to be created as well. So you had this ecosystem that evolved. Now, I think you can take the learnings from that where it is such close partnerships with all stakeholders and apply that to the larger populations. And certainly, as we've expanded from ultra rare to more prevalent specialty care diseases, such as atopic dermatitis, multiple sclerosis, et cetera, and various cancers, taking that type of philosophy of partnering with the ecosystem is so important. And if you don't do it, I think you run a real risk on, by the time you get to the finish line, approval, let's say, 
you don't have a community that understands you, supports you, and ultimately will help you, as we talked about a little bit earlier with reimbursement, for instance. So I think partnering is critical. This isn't a transaction-oriented business. The moment it becomes a transaction-oriented business, you've lost sight of what the real goal is. Can you describe Sanofi Genzyme's humanitarian programs? Yeah, this is something we're uh, extremely proud of. We launched our first product at Legacy Genzyme in 1991, and we started our humanitarian program that same year. The goal always was that we wanted patients in need to have access to our products, regardless of their ability to afford them or not. And we've had this program, which has been truly on a global scale now for 30 years. This is our 30th anniversary. We've had over 3,200 patients that have been a part of the program and about over 10% of those have been on therapy for over 10 years. It's really quite a remarkable program. And, you know, oftentimes what we've seen is we would go into a country based on a single patient, but it wasn't just about shipping drug. It was about working with the physician, working with the healthcare facility to make sure that they were ready to be able to infuse these products and working with the system overall. Again, this notion of partnership was so important. And what's happened over times is as these countries have matured with their reimbursement systems and so forth, some of these patients who had been receiving free product, ultimately they began to be reimbursed so that the products had greater access and there were more patients that were available. So, you know, this has been a 30-year journey. It is really one of the, I think, most important things that we do because it says so much about the company. And we were fortunate enough through one of the areas that we moved into, hemophilia, we also have a humanitarian program where we are the largest donator of factor for hemophilia of any manufacturer in the world. And over a 10-year period, have committed to donate a billion international units of factor to help patients all over the world. So this whole notion of doing our part is taken very seriously here. I think it's something that the industry overall has an obligation to do because as I've said in the past, innovation does no good sitting on a shelf. Innovation has to be available to the world. What does it take to be a successful leader in specialty care today? Look, this is the greatest industry in the world. I believe it. I think that we don't do a good job as an industry talking about that fact enough. And I think all leaders in this industry have to defend this industry. We do so much good. I think it starts with, you should be attracted to this industry because you want to help people and you want to help people on a global level. And if you start with that care and compassion about having an industry, having a job that does good, that's the first step. So I really believe that If you keep your eye on the greater purpose that exists, you put yourself into the right frame to be successful. Now, there's a lot of other things that have to happen in order to be successful. To be successful in this industry, you've got to have innovation. You know, this is not about incrementalism. This is where companies have to take risks on new technologies and really drive the science forward, follow the science, and see how you're going to best be able to help patients. That usually starts, by the way, with a really good understanding of the disease and the patients that you're going to be targeting. That's so important so that as you begin to 
look for solutions. You have an idea of obviously the problem you're trying to solve and what their needs are. So if you have great science, if you can listen really well, you care and you can build the right teams to execute on it, you can be successful in this industry. It's not easy. The failure rate, as we know, is a lot higher than the success rate, but it's so encouraging to see over the last 30 years of my career, what has been accomplished and how many serious diseases have been taken on and how many patients' lives have been saved, changed, transformed. Bill, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really interesting learning about today's specialty climate and how companies can reach these patients with such great need. Thank you. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At TrueSterum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. TrueSterum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at TrueSterumNTWK.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from Pharma Execs. Hi, I'm Bill Sybold, Executive Vice President and Head of Sanofi Genzyme. And my leadership tip is the only way a vision, strategy, and plan can be successful is with the right team. Building that right team around you is any leader's single biggest responsibility. No single leader can make a company successful alone. And if you think you can, you have a huge blind spot. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's PharmaExec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the PharmaExec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at PharmaExec.com, on Twitter at PharmaExec, on Instagram at PharmaExecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of PharmaExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com.